Right. Obviously, you'll know everybody's being advised to wash their hands very thoroughly. Now, people are saying wash your hands for 20 seconds. But here's an idea. Put this episode on, right? Stand by your sink. Wash your hands, right? Keep going until we're done. And then when you're, you know, once you're done, bang, coronavirus who? Because you'll have been washing your hands for ages. There's going to be no germs, no viruses, none of those bitches. See, I got you. You know, I got you, fam. Coronavirus. I don't know her. I told you I was lost and you didn't understand. I felt so foreign in my throat to tell the truth, scratching against my intuition, but I did it with good intentions because my vague whispers of I'm fine wound you in a way that I don't want to. I've lived in many places, but I've never had a home. I don't belong here is the only pin I found that fits on a map. But sometimes I'm still happy, just Today, I was not, and I couldn't tell the total truth because words, as well-meaning as they are, make more wounds, and honesty is a fallacy, and honestly, you wouldn't understand. I'm not trying to be patronizing or trying to condescend you, but there's this movie in my head. It's like Black Mirror, like choose your own adventure. Like sometimes I find myself lost in all the paths I've wandered down before because I have never had a sense of direction or the ability to distract myself from how distracting despair can be. I told you I was lost and you didn't understand. I didn't understand. You ended up lost too wandered down old paths with broken stones, overgrown weeds, roses, violets and apple trees and just like that you're just like me lost inside this fucking mess pacing down the path avoiding the haunting hall of mirrors that show all the heartbreak I've harvested in various awkward angles. You get lost too seeing yourself on a path that isn't meant for you and I try to pull you back but it's too late and we're lost together but we're so distant. I told you I was lost but I should have said I was just tired. You totally know I was lying but it would have given me a chance to say that whenever I get lost I always find my way back to you. I've spent a lot of my life just kind of dealing with um, my feelings in my own way. You know, I'll write something or like, I take like a day and I just be sad about stuff. (laughs) And my God, I know it's unhealthy. I don't need anyone to tell me that. I already know. But it just, it works. It's like, oh, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be sad this Wednesday. That's what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be, you know, just be a bit sad. Um, I'll listen to sad songs, be a bit upset. It'll be fine. You know, balance is out. Um, <laughs> um, or like, I'll be like, okay, I feel kind of sad. I'm just gonna write a couple of sad poems. You know, might write a play, whatever. Fuck. I fucking forgot I'm writing a play. <laughs> 
see, this is what happens to me. I get distracted and I just move to all these different ideas. Like, when I say, like, my head is like this whole choose your own adventure thing, it really is. It's like just all these different things happening at once and you can just sort of go and just get involved in all of them, but it's terrifying. I forgot I was writing a play, but I will I will finish that eventually. I will finish writing that play. But my <laughs> my point is, you know, I would find my own ways of dealing with days when I just felt a bit shit and I felt a bit sad or I, you know, I remember something that made me sad. However, <laughs> now there are people that care when I'm sad and I'm like, oh, all right, fuck. I do not know how to answer the question, how are you? Like that's, they may as well be asking it in French. I don't, I don't know what the French is for how are you. I'm not gonna lie. I should do because I did French at school, but I don't. Um, I, how am I supposed to answer that? I don't know. Especially on those days when I would normally be like, okay, I'm gonna be sad this day. I'm gonna listen to my sad playlist. I'm gonna be a bit sad. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna watch Bridget Jones. Maybe I cry myself to sleep. Maybe I just collapse out of exhaustion. It'll be fine. And then I wake up the next day and it's all, it's out of my system and it's gone and I'm fine. Can't do that anymore. No, because there are people that when they say I'm sad, they're like, oh, I want to cheer you up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you want to what? Oh, you, I'm sorry. You'd like to alleviate this, this, um, this thing? I'm feeling you want to make it go away no no you don't understand I like quarantine myself to keep it topical like I've got coronavirus and then and then I come out after and I'm fine you have to trust the system <laughs> and obviously I know deep down that the system probably doesn't work and <laughs> Really, I'm just sort of having a day of, of wallowing and being sad and then I just ignore how I feel for the rest of however long it is until that happens again. And perhaps it would be healthier to talk about things and to allow other people to try and make me feel better and be nice to me. Maybe that, you know, maybe that would be good. I don't know. This... <laughs> it's, a, it's a new experience, man. You know, it's, it's new and it's weird. Well, I mean, it's not so much new, new. It's just, it's like, you know that thing where you don't do something for ages or something doesn't happen for ages and then when it does, you're like, oh, well, I haven't, haven't experienced that in a while. It's like that, you know? Because <laughs> I'm just used to being able to just deal with it on my own and figure it out on my own and just sort of power through it. And now there are people who are like, that's drastically unhelpful. Why don't we try and get to like a place where you don't do that anymore? And I'm like, <laughs> what? And they're like, we want you to be happy. Your happiness matters. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> what is this communism? I <laughs> it's a 
make sense to me. I don't know. But it's nice that people care. I want to do that. There is some... I would have thought all this like, building shenanigans would have stopped because of coronavirus, but no such luck. Go on. You could get the, the air. It's all terrible. Go on. They're not going to. Um, but yeah, it's nice. But it's hard to explain to people, you know, why it's hard to talk about things and why... Do you know what I mean? It's hard. People don't understand. <laughs> it's hard to explain, you know. I don't know how to let other people help me with things because I'm used to doing it on my own and that makes sense to me and I don't know any other way to do it. And I'm not pushing you away because I don't like you or because I don't love you. I'm doing it because it's so deeply ingrained in me that I don't know how to do anything else and I'm trying and I get that it's really fucking annoying for you but I'm annoyed too bruh just like of myself like I I don't know it'd be like that sometimes you know <laughs> it really does it really do On the Twitter, I've just seen something and I have to talk about it because... Because fuck me, really? Anyway, so there's this girl called OK Boomer Girl or something. I don't really know what her whole deal is. I think she made like a... They used to be called Vines, but now they're TikToks, basically. It's like little videos or something, or maybe it was musically either do you know what i'm not down with the kids because i'm not like a pedophile so i don't know um but my point is she made this little video on this like website and she was basically dancing around and saying okay boomer with a bernie sanders show on right which is fine i have no problem with that i have no problem with this girl i wish her the best but a bunch of fucking dudes on twitter.com and other cesspools of hell decided that they they loved her and they really liked her and they all started supporting her and following her and all this right and then she said that she had a boyfriend and she lost thousands of followers people were making mean like memes about her and mean posts about her um people were 
just suddenly they were like, oh no, we hate this girl now. Because she has a boyfriend. And, I mean, firstly, really? You bitches really think you have a shot with some girl on the internet? That you, do you know what? <laughs> that you don't even fucking know and you have made no attempt to get to know and you have no connection with? Clownery, right? But the fact that some of these men suddenly became so horrible and so vicious to this girl because she, she what was her crime? Daring to have a boyfriend without their permission? This shit right here, this shit right here is why people honestly think men are weird. <laughs> like, what the fucking hell is this? And um, before anyone says that, I know, I know, not all men. And I know that not all men are doing this. And yes, I'm very grateful for the men who are rational and normal people that don't pull this kind of behavior. But there was a lot of people engaging in it. So I mean... <laughs> Maybe talk to your boys, you know what I'm saying? Sort them out, because this is ridiculous. But now there's all these people, all these dudes, who are basically, they're like attacking this girl. Because they have this entitlement and they, they're genuinely upset with her because she has a boyfriend. And I'm like, what the actual fuck is wrong with you? Like, excuse her for having a fucking life. That's ridiculous. And they have, like, this this perceived ownership over this girl. You know what I mean? And it's it's terrifying to... You know, because these, these are not, like, little teenage boys who are too young to understand that what they're doing is fucked up. You know what I mean? These are grown men. Like, actual full-on adults doing this shit. And I just... I worry for her. I hope she's okay. I hope that she's all right. That's all I can say. They mass reported her Twitter account to get it taken down because they were so angry at her for having the audacity to not be single. Like, they had her Twitter taken down. They, they've, like, falsely mass reported her Twitter to get it taken down. Um... I think it's it's been put back up at this point because obviously Twitter realized, you know, she hasn't done anything. Um, but when you when a an account is reported enough times, it's basically like automatically suspended. Um, but it, I think it's back up now. But the point is, they they did that. They <laughs> they decided they were going to target this girl. They had her account taken down. They have been spamming her over this and for what she didn't do nothing wrong she made a cute little video you know supporting bernie sanders and whatever and and she unfortunately drew the attention of some fucking weirdos she didn't do nothing wrong and it's it's kind of scary to see the way that, you know, women are treated on the internet. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> you know, because this isn't, you know, the first kind of thing that I've seen like this. I see a lot of things like this, you know. 
um, the way that women are treated. I mean, it's fucked up, you know. I mean, you know, I have lots of friends that have had experiences of men on the internet being weird to them. Um, I've had female friends who have upset men and had the hounds unleashed. I've also had female friends who have had a lot of men interested. And again, the hounds unleashed just in a different way. Um, you know, I have had some of these experiences myself. I, it's <laughs> uh, why I find reading comments on social media kind of hard sometimes because, you know, some of the stuff can be very hard to read. I know that there are some things that men think are compliments. Um, but to be quite honest, no. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, um, last year when I was talking about my relationship, I did get, um, I got a lot of positive comments, which was very nice. And that was very, very kind of people. But I, I also, I got quite a few um, you know, negative comments and I got, you know, people who reached out to me and, and they were quite negative and that was, that was hurtful, you know? Um, so, I mean, this story just kind of reminded me of that, um, you know, and obviously we're kind of on the other side of International Women's Day and there's still a couple of things around of everyone talking about, you know, women and women's experiences and I just thought to myself, damn, it can be hard to be a girl sometimes because obviously I know there are lots of women that have it way worse, you know, before anyone even fucking goes there and is like, oh, stupid feminazi. Why don't you care about like women who are being persecuted and tortured? I, I do care about these things, son, way more than you probably do if you're only using them for what about Um, you know, but... I, I do not have the ability to free those women from that. My God, I wish I did. More than anything, you know. I, I don't want to live in a world where anybody is persecuted or anyone is tortured, believe it or not. Um, and if I could do anything genuinely to stop that, I would. I have done what I can with my limited platform. I've spoken about it on the show. I've written about it. Um you know, on my platforms, I talk about it, um, and I talk about this too, you know, and it may not seem as serious to you, you know, oh, what does a little comment on the internet hurt, or what does a little meme hurt, it doesn't, you know, it's not that serious, but I feel like sometimes people, they don't realise if they haven't experienced it, and I understand that, I do. It can be hard to, to see something from someone's perspective if you've never been there. But when you have, when you have a situation where people sexualize you or they objectify you or pretty much everything they say to you is like sexual or even romantic, does that make sense? Like, you know, when people say like, 
things that I guess they think are romantic to you because they're trying to be different because they know that like other guys will like say sexual stuff to you so they're like oh let me try it this way let me try and be nice about it I don't we're just trying to exist man you know twitter.com not a dating service instagram.com not a dating service linkedin now come on guys you know fucking better I don't even have to explain that one to you. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it can just be hard sometimes, you know. I I feel for this girl. I Unfortunately, I don't know her name. I haven't been able to find it. I've looked, but everyone just calls her OK Boomer Girl. So I, I don't know her name. I feel a bit bad because I feel like I'm dehumanizing her by just calling her OK Boomer Girl. But there's nothing really I can do about that. Um... <laughs> But I hope she's okay. Um, shout out to the guys who are supporting her, who are still treating her well and being nice and not making her feel bad for something very normal. Um, but to the to the guys who are trying to shame her and trying to drag her down because she didn't live up to your little fantasy that she probably wasn't even aware that she was a part of, maybe think about why you saw her that way think about why you looked at another human and thought this isn't a real person i'm gonna just treat them like part of my little fantasy that's something that maybe we should all think about you know it's like real person shipping i thought we covered that on tumblr and said that was weird i feel like we did i don't know but i you know I hope she's doing okay. Okay, boomer girl, wherever you are. Um, and so all the women out there on the internet, I hope you're doing okay too. sheets are soft and so is your voice when you're done you stroke my hair your eyes where your hands once were with soft kisses joining them as I fall asleep to be honest I just felt like I should write something nice because um, apparently everything is sad this week. <laughs> um, no, I, I had my little sad, sad girl day on Wednesday. I just wrote like loads of really sad stuff. I'd, I'd unconsciously been having like a real sad girl, like month before. And I'd written loads of sad stuff as well. So I was like, well, <laughs> better write something that isn't gonna make everyone worry that I'm like gonna do something drastic honestly though by now you should <laughs> you should know you know it's my brand I, I have my sad girl days but I anyways yeah so I felt like I should write something happy so that people would not be worried or whatever because apparently again like I said that's a thing now people do that and I'm like oh <laughs> 
Sorry, don't mind me. I was just having a slight moment of ennui, but fine, fine. I will I will burst up from the surface just to let you know I'm okay. Whatever. What the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? Well, everyone really needs to stand up and say, OK, no, this is not politics in the normal British way. This is something darker and bleaker and it's got to stop. Peace is possible and must be achieved. We want Scotland to remain inside the EU and we want the UK to remain inside the EU. Labour is weak and divided and completely unable to offer any sort of opposition to the Tories. And I say, I say to all the doubters, do Well, it's all going on at Westminster this week, and by it I mean coronavirus, because fucking hell. Right, so, it all kicked off a couple of days ago. Nadine Doris, who is a health minister and also has inflicted several terrible books on the public, um, and is a former nurse, I might add. I, I really feel like I need to make these things clear, right? She tested positive for coronavirus. And that's not her fault, you know? These things happen. However, it later came out that even after she had started having symptoms, she continued working, she continued meeting with members of the public, she held a constituency surgery, meaning that she met lots of her constituents. Basically, somebody who is a former nurse and a health minister and just a grown fucking adult that should be able to grasp the basics of how infections spread in the middle of a fucking pandemic had symptoms of the big virus everyone's scared of and still just carried on about her day. Fucking... So, potentially, there could be lots of people now connected to, you know, her party, the Conservatives, her constituents people that work in in the house of commons we we just we don't know we 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 have no idea according to her she um had symptoms she felt weak and tired on the thursday but she started with the proper symptoms on friday but she she still fucking held a constituency surgery on the saturday for what, girl? Anyways, um, Andrew Bridgen is another Conservative MP, um, and his wife has logged the fuck on, and she has some things to say. She directly tweeted Miss Nadine, and she said, why did you, this was in reference to contact tracers, who are supposed to basically find out everyone she's had contact with to do tests and check if they are also infected, basically. 
So she said, why did you not tell them that you sat next to my husband, Andrew Bridgen, on Thursday in a tea room and that he can't get a test now? I have a baby and a 75-year-old mother jeopardised. You were treated, but no one is coming to help us. The girls are fighting. They're turning on each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> Welcome to coronavirus. Everybody's fighting. Everyone hates each other now. Um... So, I mean, Miss Nadine is in self-isolation. And I think everyone that's, like, spoken to her or breathed the same air as her in the last week are probably quite nervous and filled with a little bit of dread. Um, <laughs> so it's all going well. Um, I do not yet have coronavirus. How about that? Yeah. I'm feeling pretty pleased with myself. Shit's getting a bit crazy. Um, I went shopping last night. And my God, <laughs> painkillers, gone. Toilet roll, gone. Pasta, gone. Pretty much everything in the soap aisle, gone. I mean, luckily for me, I didn't really need any of those things. So I was okay, but I feel bad for people that do. I was, um, I was in town this morning and I walked past a super drug in the shopping centre and there was a massive crowd of people queuing outside it. So I'm assuming there were rumours that they'd had like a delivery of like hand sanitizer or toilet paper or something like today. And people were literally queuing up trying to be the first to get in this morning. <laughs> and I, I just thought to myself, well, yeah, we're going to be absolutely fine if we can't make a proper deal with the EU and everything goes to shit with Brexit, which is still going on, by the way. People think it's done and over with just because, you know, that deadline passed and, and people had fireworks and they were like, oh, we're out of the EU. Well, there's still shit to do, lads, and we do not look very prepared. <laughs> now, are there any non-coronavirus things that have happened? <laughs> yes. Uh, the budget happened. Um at Westminster um you know there was there was some fun stuff one thing that really caught my attention um there will no longer be uh VAT on ebooks and digital magazines and things like that um which is great for me as a writer um because obviously that's helpful to people who read my stuff and use digital platforms to do so. That's very useful for me, useful for them. Um, it makes reading more accessible, which is always a good thing. So I'm happy with that. Um, to be quite honest, there wasn't really much else in the budget that impressed me. Um, they kept yelling out slogans like, we got it done, we're getting it done and shit like that. And I'm just like... Okay, well, there was a lot of stuff in there, obviously, about coronavirus and things that they're doing to help people, um, making it easier for people to access sick pay and things like that. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm expecting too much. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all running around saying that austerity's over. A lot of uh, people on the left are saying that this is a budget that they could have seen maybe kind of new Labour, that kind of Tony Blair, Gordon Brown style Labour introducing, so they thought it was quite out of character for the Conservatives. But, I mean, 
I have a hard time like trusting the government, obviously, as you know. So <laughs> we'll see. I I don't want to get all excited about anything in there. I would like to wait and see how things play out. Of course, there was the typical yearly rise of the um, alleged national living wage, which is basically just the minimum wage rebranded because let me tell you this for free £8.30 or £8.70 or really anything other than what the research has shown is a living wage is not a living wage. You can't just call it a living wage and leave it at that but apparently the government thinks they can so whatever. There was a COBRA meeting earlier in the week um, and during that meeting the decision was taken to to move to the delay phase of coronavirus things so um you know next steps are being taken um things like you know advising people with potential symptoms to self isolate whether they've been tested or not um you know cancelling gatherings of like I think it's more than 500 people at the moment um not closing schools we're not doing that yet I know that some countries across the UK are across the UK no across Europe I mean uh that was little Remain and me trying to shove us back into the EU there but um yes other places in Europe are closing schools um Ireland is is doing so um and some other places, uh, parts of France, uh, parts of Germany, I believe. Uh, but the UK says no. Um, <laughs> so there was this COVID meeting and all these things were decided, right? And then Nicola Sturgeon did a press conference to discuss the Scottish government's response to what they had been told in the COVID meeting, which makes sense to me. Um, healthcare in Scotland is devolved. So the Scottish government's response to a healthcare crisis is not really a UK matter. They're dealing with that on their own. They may take advice from the Westminster government, but it is the Scottish government's responsibility to respond to the public and to address these things to the public, right? That makes sense? Well, a bunch of English commentators kicked the fuck off about it. They were furious that she did a press conference, um, apparently because she did hers before Boris Johnson did his. And it's like, well, it is not her fault if she can get her shit together and go out and address the public quicker than he can. It's not like she stood there in front of all these TV cameras and basically was like, Boris Johnson's a bastard. He's an absolute twat. He's useless. He's going to get everyone killed. He's a horrible person. She didn't do that. She just said the facts. She read through the advisory information. She told people what steps the Scottish government was going to take to keep people safe. And that was that. She didn't say anything negative. She didn't use it as an opportunity to like bitch about the Westminster government, which is funny because Boris Johnson used his press conference to get a absurd little side, like fucking 
subtweet at the Scottish government, which just made him look petty. Um, but yeah, all these fucking dudes, these fucking news dudes were like really upset about it. Um, Dan Hodges said, Nicola Sturgeon is playing stupid political games here. She's deliberately making her statement in advance of the UK government. I genuinely thought she was better than this. God, what does that mean? It is not her fault if it takes Boris Johnson three million years to like get the press together and say something. Like he's the prime minister. He could do that anytime he wants. If he decides to waste time and like go have his lunch first, have a couple drinks at one of the many fucking bars that Westminster doesn't need, that is not her problem. She has a fucking job to do. She's gonna go and do it. She's not gonna wait for him. Um Piers Morgan. <laughs> who we all know is terrified of women, said, why am I watching Nicola Sturgeon reveal Cobra decisions before the British Prime Minister? What the hell is going on? You know why you're seeing it, Piers? Because Boris Johnson didn't get his shit together and go and do what he should have done, which is prioritise addressing the public and telling them what the decision had been. She did it straight away because it's it's a priority thing. You know, I... She was doing her fucking job. That's that's why you're seeing it. Like, to me, it very much seems... Because here's the thing. The Welsh government did exactly the same thing. As soon as they had the information, the Welsh government assembled people and they talked about it. And they, they gave people the information. They did not wait for Boris Johnson to get his shit together. But it was a Welsh, the, the Welsh government was spoken for by a man, whereas the Scottish government was spoken for by a woman. I didn't see anybody, I didn't see anybody getting mad at the Welsh government for doing exactly what the Scottish government did. Nobody had a fucking word to say. I was like, just say you hate women and go. You know what I mean? Fucking Harry Cole was like, she knew the Prime Minister is doing a presser imminently. Well, he obviously fucking wasn't because it took him forever to do it, but fine. And decided to try seem important by announcing decisions others have made. Well, she is important, girl. She's a leader of a fucking country. She's the head of a fucking government. Like, I'm sorry that your pathetic ego issues make it hard for you to accept that women can be important too but she is and again I didn't see Harry Cole, Piers Morgan, Dan Hodges any of these other pathetic petty little men I didn't see any of them saying a fucking word about the Welsh government doing exactly the same thing because it's only bad when women do it right if the First Minister of Wales, if the Health Minister in Wales, if any of these people had been women, they would be getting dragged too. But they're not. So they didn't. And I just... I was like... Just say what you really mean. You are pissed off because a woman got on with her job. That that That's the problem here, isn't it? Like, it's, it's not got anything to do with her undermining the prime minister because she isn't 
She is talking about a health service that Boris Johnson has no real control over. Boris Johnson does not run Scotland's NHS. Nicola Sturgeon does. So, I mean, one of two things is happening here. Either all of these English male commentators are really angry at women and that's why this is happening, or they have very little understanding of how you know, how the Scottish Health Service works, what the Scottish government is responsible for, in which case they should not be political commentators at all because they don't know what they're fucking talking about. So either they are misogynist or they're thick. They either are attacking her because she's a woman or they're attacking her because they are stupid and they don't understand what she is responsible for. Like, which is it? Which is it, guys? Like... I mean, it could be a healthy combination of both, to be quite honest. But when you see shit like this, right, it makes it so easy to see why some people are fucking tired of these bitches, you know? (laughs) It's like, can you just, like, get some self-awareness? Like, why are you making everything about your precious little prime minister and your precious little union, like... Some things are bigger than that. She was doing her job and informing the public that live in the country that she is the fucking leader of, that she is the first minister of. Like, what's so wrong with that? If you're a normal, functioning, rational person, you wouldn't see anything wrong with that. But unfortunately, I think their reaction says it all. Rory Stewart is still kind of like, floating around London, looming around London and trying to get attention and votes for the mayoral elections. But at last polling, he was on 13% and didn't stand a fucking chance. So I'm sorry, Rory. This is this is something that, you know, you being rich and posh can't just grant you. I'm sorry about that. That must be very hard for you to hear. But... um. Honestly, just fucking everything about him just screams, I am rich and posh, therefore I should have all the things I want. And it's like, brah, honestly. Um, (laughs) But Sadiq Khan has taken a lead so far with Sean Bailey uh, in second and Rory Stewart in third, quite far behind uh, second and first. Um, so I think it is probably, you know, the early perceptions of how it would go are probably right. It is probably going to be a two horse race between Labour and the Conservatives and Rory is just wasting everyone's time and probably running around potentially spreading coronavirus. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I should say that's a joke. I, I don't think he has coronavirus. He does not strike me as, like, I don't know. He strikes me as the kind of guy that, like, if he even thought he was going to get it, he would, like, just start yelling at it and be like, don't you know who I am? I'm Rory Stewart. I wrote a book. They were going to make a film about me with Brad Pitt. Get the fuck away from me, you low-class virus. But anyway... In terms of the Labour leadership kerfuffle, I know, I know. It's still happening. It's still happening. But 
there is a bit of news. Um, obviously, they're all still campaigning and what have you. But there may not be a little live announcement. Uh, the last Labour leadership election, there's a big thing. You know, there's a big announcement. There's clapping and people and music and, oh, Jeremy Corbyn. This time, it's, it's, they don't know because obviously with coronavirus, they can't have that many people in a room at once. So, um, and obviously, Labour has the biggest party membership. So there would be a lot of people in the fuck on the room. So they're looking at different ways to do it, potentially online, I suppose, would be a good idea. Like have a little live stream because Labour are really into social media, you know, so that'd be good. Little Facebook live or YouTube live stream or something like that. Um, if you want to come on this podcast, lads, that's all right. We can arrange something. It's a fucking joke. Please do not come on this podcast. I do not want to meet Richard Burgeon. Anyway, um, <laughs> Boris Johnson, my God. Um, he was asked in Prime Minister's Questions by Jeremy Corbyn about the rape clause. If you don't know what that is, um, it was an issue. Basically, the government decided that what they were going to do was restrict child tax credits to the first two children. There was an exemption if you had a child that was conceived through rape, you could receive child tax credits for that child if it's over the two child limit, but you have to prove to the government that you were raped. And that involved um, filling out a form that had quite invasive questioning, um, you had to go through the whole whole ordeal of, you know, talking about it uh, with a stranger, uh, which, quite frankly, to a lot of survivors of something like that, is is not going to be something they can easily do. Um, so Jeremy Corbyn asked him about that and mentioned that around 200 women had already had to prove to the government that they were raped to keep child tax credits for that third child um and that it was it was very distressing for them and then something strange happened boris johnson said that he would do what he could to rectify it and everyone was like wait what <laughs> Because up until then, um, pretty much every Conservative government that has been in power since that policy was enacted has tried to downplay it and they've tried to act like it wasn't a big deal. And, you know, oh, it's just a little form. Oh, it's just a little chat. You know, it's fine. Nobody's, nobody gets hurt by a form or a bit of, you know, a bit of a chat. You know, and they've, they've really tried to downplay how distressing it can be for um, for parents who have been through rape um, and having to essentially open up about something like that to a random, you know, job centre advisor or something like that. Um, and so it was very strange for Boris Johnson to then suddenly be like, yeah, I'll do what I can about it. 
because he had never raised concerns about the policy before. And it seemed, to be quite honest, like he didn't realise that his government had just sort of continued on with that policy. It very much seemed like he didn't know it was a conservative policy and it was like, well, I mean, you could have rectified this. There was a huge campaign against it, you know, when Theresa May was prime minister and after that, when you were prime minister, at any of those points, you could have intervened and said, you know what, you're right, this is really wrong. We shouldn't be making people go through this. Why are you only just saying it now? So either either he's not entirely aware that he had the power to do something about this, in which case, has he been living under a fucking rock? Or... You know, it took him being asked directly to his face by the leader of the opposition in a way he could no longer ignore for him to be publicly shamed into doing something about it. Because other MPs have raised this in the House before. Um, So many MPs have raised this. Um, The... You know, the other governments in the UK, I know the Scottish government have had a huge debate specifically on this on this issue. Um, I, th- I think the Welsh government have as well. Um, so it's, it's not like this happening to people was a secret. People knew it was happening. He has been in the chamber when it has been raised by other MPs, but only when he has asked by Jeremy Corbyn in this one session of Prime Minister's questions, does he actually say, yes, it's wrong, I'm going to do something about it? Why didn't he do anything before? You know, he's been Prime Minister long enough now, you know, before the election and now, he could have at least raised some objection to it if he didn't like the policy. He could have raised an objection to it after he was no longer foreign secretary and no longer had to go along with what the government wanted. He could have shown dissent at any point from sort of that moment onwards, and he didn't. So why does he suddenly, you know, why does he suddenly care about these women now? So to me, and to a lot of people, it doesn't seem genuine. It's like, does he actually care? Or is he just pretending now that Jeremy Corbyn has put him on the spot and forced him to talk about this issue? Um, Because, you know, a lot of the time before, you know, when other MPs were asking about it, they weren't able to have as much access to Boris Johnson as the leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, would have. So it's a very weird situation. I hope that he's genuine in saying that he wants to change things and he wants to get rid of that requirement. And I hope that something will also be done to make at least partly right with the people who've had to go through this horrific ordeal already. But again, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I hope he's being genuine for once. I really, really do. 
because it is a horrific requirement to force people to have to relive something so horrible with a complete stranger just so that they can have the ability to take care of their kids. But but I don't trust he's being genuine. And in terms of rectifying it, I, I don't know. Obviously, there's preventing it happening to other people, but I don't know how it can ever be rectified for the people that have already had to go through it. I really don't. But I hope he's genuine and I hope he does actually want to try. In more thrilling coronavirus news, um, the elderly could be quarantined for four months um, in their homes or in care homes. Uh, This was um, written about by Robert Peston. Uh, He got the info from a, a source. And by that, it basically means the government fed it to him to tell us. Because Boris Johnson is too much of a pussy to actually tell people himself. Um, So, the plans are, people over 70 will be instructed by the government to stay in strict isolation at home or in care homes for four months. Um, Apparently, there's... (laughs) This part is so fucking stupid... Um, they're looking at making arrangements with Uber Eats and Deliveroo to take food to these people in isolation when they're in forced isolation. I... Fucking hell. I... I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, there's other fun stuff in here. Temporary closure of pubs, bars and restaurants. Um, The requisitioning of hotels and private hospitals to serve as emergency temporary hospitals for treatment for coronavirus, I'm assuming. Um, The closure of schools, apart from a few staff who will be kept on to provide childcare for key workers in the health service and the police. Um, apparently they are deeply worried that some older people will simply die at home from neglect after they're quarantined you fucking think really guys you're only just worrying about this now I don't know maybe if you hadn't fucking decimated the social care sector that that could have been a useful thing for this sort of situation you know if we had some kind of um workforce of care workers who would have protective equipment so that they could go and care for these people who are in isolation without risk of infection that would be wow what what an idea what a concept oh wait but we can't have that because you fucking neglected social care for fucking ever I swear, it's it's like they just make shit up as they go along. And, and really, just the fact that Boris Johnson cannot come out and talk about these things himself. He has to, you know, float the idea with some journalists first, see how people react and then sort of decide what he wants to do next. It's, it's cowardly. 
you know and this is the thing everyone tries to sell Boris Johnson as this brave dude this amazing you know sort of Winston Churchill figure this you know amazing brave well-spoken very level-headed man come on guys are we really gonna still pretend like this because he's not he is nothing of the sort okay I just I can't believe this is the guy that we've got in charge in a fucking crisis I mean Jesus bloody hell well I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest I don't see how this whole forcing over 70s to stay at home or in care homes is enforceable anyway because you know oh surprise surprise that the conservatives have also you know <laughs> stripped back basically every public service so what, what are you gonna do have the police arrest them if they leave the house oh wait there are no there's barely any fucking police so <laughs> you know I doubt that's going to happen. What are you going to do? Draft in the military and have a soldier outside every single person's house who's over 70 to make sure they don't leave? Fuck off. Fuck off. I... I mean... I just... <laughs> but do you, know, do you know the saddest part? Is that, you know, if there was some horrific news clip that came out of... um a bunch of soldiers or police officers, you know, being forced to basically tackle some, you know, grandma to the ground because she tried to leave to go out to get some bread and milk. And they're just like forcing her to the ground and arresting her or whatever. If that just suddenly showed up on like Sky News or BBC News or whatever, half the Tory cabinet would be just like sitting there defending it because they're so fucking compliant and... They just, they never argue back. They, I mean, obviously I know that there's the whole collective responsibility thing, but, but for fuck's sake, you know, <laughs> where is their dignity? Where is their sense of pride and self-respect? You know, because I, I know, I, I can already fucking see it. If that shit happens, right, they will be sitting there on Andrew Marr on a Sunday morning going, you know, defending it. Because because they would defend everything Boris does. Even when it is so fucked up. Just watch. It'll happen. You know, some fucking junior Tory minister sitting there on a Sunday morning defending soldiers and police officers being forced to tackle grandmas to the ground because they tried to leave the house. It's going to happen. I... We truly have the worst government for a crisis. Some days I think I've recovered, but then I remember the first time I thought I had and I miss my naivety so much. I miss it so much that I drown myself in the knowledge that I will always be struggling for air. I have a little girl, but not in the way you think. She's so optimistic. She's still sticking around, hoping for a recovery that will never reach her. 
people don't get it. I don't want to spend my life with the word oh before my name. It's people who can't understand rub my shoulders and tell me that it's okay. I don't actually know some days how I want to spend my life. I don't know what better or recovery look like. I don't want their hands on my shoulders. I don't want pity in their voices. I don't want ghosts to still hold on to my little girl, but nobody really ever gets what they want in the end, do they? I saw this thing on Twitter the other day. Um, and it was it was like a tweet and they said people tell me that I'll recover but I know I never will and I thought that makes so much sense to me you know <laughs> like because there are like things that happen and maybe you're alive but you're not the same and I think sometimes people put so much focus on something that's not possible people put this focus on being the way you were before getting back to that and it's not realistic maybe this in itself is what recovery looks like finding a way to take the things that I can't even really um articulate I'm finding a way to remove them from myself and put them somewhere where they can't hurt me as deeply and if that's what I can do for now that's what I'll do Okay, um, if you are still washing your hands, as advised earlier, you should probably stop um, because, my God, they're going to hurt you. Poor baby, I'm sorry. I'm not a doctor. I don't know why you trusted me. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I will see you next week. Um, if you are self-isolating this week, have a lovely time. Um, don't work too hard, you know. Listen you got you got to take your luxury while you can, okay? If if a pandemic is the right time, that's that's just how it is. Um remember put yourself first, you know, but also check on your neighbors, see if they need any help. Um maybe don't get too close. I don't know. Again, I'm not a doctor. Um try not to panic by, you know. Other people need things too. Uh, just behave yourselves.
Uh, thank you to the amazing, lovely and wonderful top tier Patreon subscribers, Amanda, Kylie, Melissa, Anna, Sam, Katie, Christina, Josie, Gabriella, David, Eleanor, Alicia, Emily, Andy and Tyler. Um, if you want to support this show and lots of other projects I do, uh, you can support us through Patreon. Uh, everything starts from $1 a month. You get lots of exclusive stuff, lots of free stuff, lots of early stuff. You can also support through one-off donations on PayPal and Coffee, and that gets you access to the early release program. And also just reviews help. Tell any friends, you know. Tell your mum. And then have to sit down and show her how a podcast works. Um, <laughs> um, we'll be back again next week with another fun episode. Lots of time spent together. That's providing that like the UK government haven't gone bananas and like shut down the internet and like quarantined everybody. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. Even if they do, I'll find a way. I will see you next week. Good night, my love.